you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. On American Family Radio. <clears throat> I don't know if I can be heard. You're, you're on. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Will, I didn't know it was that bad. Goodness. <clears throat> okay. So we... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have headphones. Oh my goodness, or a voice, yeah, or a voice, voice. or a voice, and so, so then you couldn't say, (laughs) (laughs) you know what? I our kids call when someone is not feeling their best. They say that the person is odd. But it's just my voice, though. Yeah, that's the only thing that's going on with you right now. Allergies. But (laughs) I guess it's allergies. I guess it's something. I I don't know. Um, but it's kind of come out of nowhere. I, you know, I struggle with getting our kids to find their compassion because they kind of think this is funny, but they think they well, think it's it funny when funny. there's it, it anything coming. off with. Yeah, it's it is. It, it does take an adjustment. I, I would say um, I think you sound a little bit worse than you did earlier this morning. No, don't say that, please. It. it oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, can, can I can I is it bad if I say you sound like Cookie Monster? <laughs> <clears throat> Cookie. That's what you sound like. I, I, I don't I don't want to put you on the spot to talk a whole lot. I mean, you know. Um, well, people say I don't anyway. So. Oh, cookie. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how I'm going to do this show just having to talk the oh, bulk of the time. Right. Yeah, right. I don't, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know what I'm going to do since I've got to talk the bulk of the time. Hey, today, though, I, wow, um, we have announcements, but. I'll just have to step in and and give those announcements. (laughs) I want to invite you to register for the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. Or, I'm sorry, Marriage, Family, Life Conference. See, I can't even do it. I try to mock you, and I can't even do it. I want to invite you to register for the Marriage, Family, Life Conference. Uh, You can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. I'm going to assume that we still have some early bird registration spots open. Yeah, Um, we do. We Okay, great. Great. We have um, a number that we have as a cutoff number for early bird registration. And as long as that number is available, um, those tickets are available. You can get those tickets by going to marriagefamilylife.net. The theme of the conference this year is Here I Stand. And uh, we're going to be equipping families and children to stand in the current cultural climate that we're in. Uh, We will not be backing down uh, anytime soon. And so what we want to do is empower you uh, and equip your kids and um, we hope that you'll join us. We hope that you'll join us. You Marriage did a great Family job. Life. You did a great job. <laughs> MarriageFamilyLife.net. MarriageFamilyLife.net. Um, tomorrow, Will the Great and I will be in Huntsville, Texas. We are going to be speaking at a parents' <laughs> conference. Why are you laughing? I won't, be, I... I won't be speaking. Well, I mean, <laughs> we'll all do what we can. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So, so pray for us as, as our family travel, travels to Huntsville, Texas. We're excited about this. This is right in the wheelhouse of what we try to do. And so it's always a blessing 
when a church undertakes um, this this huge responsibility that is the equipping of parents to understand what's going on in the culture. And so we are excited to be a part of that. And that's happening tomorrow and Saturday. Um, today, what I wanted to talk about is building discernment, building discernment. I was thinking about, and I think about this quite often, um, how there are so many things that are constantly going on and happening in our culture today. And I feel quite often that those things are meant to sort of um, wear down the Christian's ability to discern right from wrong. In ways, I feel like it almost kind of, um, some of the things that happen in our culture, seek to uh, redefine right and wrong, like almost to cause a type of confusion that would be, man, unheard of, even just five, 10 years ago, a type of confusion that would have been unheard of, that people don't know how to speak on certain issues, or they don't know how to respond in certain situations because their discernment um, has been stifled or um, their their growth in discernment has been stunted. Uh, and so I was asking questions of myself, even as I was thinking about this, how does our discernment grow? Like, how do we build discernment? Like when we are listening to people talk on issues or say, for example, <clears throat> we're listening to a state of the union address and I'm just saying, and, and you hear some things that you go, well, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's exactly honest, you know, or I'm not sure that that's exactly what your position was. One of the mm -hmm. things I'll tell you that I was thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I should not mock you too much because I'm still <laughs> myself trying to, can you imagine if we both <laughs> go out? It's all you, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, if, if Will and I, if our voices both just give out, like it just, both voices just quit. It's you, Jeff. All right. That's it. I just want you to prepare yourself. So I don't know what you've researched today, but get it ready. All right. Get it ready. Um, but I'll tell you what I was specifically thinking about. I was thinking about all of the, um, all of the podcast shows or all of the live radio shows that we've done where we've talked about lawlessness and how we live in a culture and we live in a society that is romanticizing lawlessness. I remember specifically doing a program where um, I think the title of that show was you can't keep lawlessness as a pet. And I remember us just talking about how you know, increasingly you've got people who are trying to make lawlessness look good or even presented as something that people should want, right? That you, you, you don't yet know the joy and the blessing that is lawlessness, but once you have it, you're going to love it kind of a thing. <laughs> and, um, as I was uh, watching and listening at times, cause I, I wasn't admittedly, I wasn't glued to, um, the state of the union address, but I was listening to it at some times and at some points and, and then watching at others. Um, but with the president talking about not defunding the police, Mm -hmm. and then you have the vice president and you have Nancy Pelosi stand up and, and you have the rest of all of these um, liberal lawmakers stand up and they're applauding mm -hmm. as if that had not been <laughs> their narrative from like jump street, you know, like I, I just thought, wait, you know, and, and, and I thought and I thought that there there will be some people who will hear that and see that and they will be like, well, that's see, that's all I need to know. See, that's it. That's it. That's a, that's all I need to know. Everything else that people have been saying about this call to defund the police, that's just been a big misunderstanding. Like, that's just been something that, you know. And so and I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, when we have discernment, 
And I want to get into how do we build discernment? What does the Bible say about discernment? But when we have discernment, we're not easily duped by those types of um, lies. I mean, I don't know what else you say. Like I, I try to find nice ways, you know, to, 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 to just say it, but you're not duped by those lies. And, and you think about all of these different people who even at the height of like the radicals discontent, you know, the, the, the summer of their discontent where they were destroying entire cities and you have people even in the midst of all of that still saying the problem was the funding of police. Like that was the problem. The, the reason people are burning things down and tearing up cities right. and um, terrorizing little old ladies and and causing Walgreens to pack up and leave is because you have police officers who are just getting paid too much money. And and so we need what we need to do is we need to reroute those resources. And, and everybody's all yes and amen. All of the liberal news outlets, they're all yes and amen. Yes and amen. Or or worse, they say nothing which to me is a tacit yes and amen, right? And so you have all of them, including, including Vice President Kamala Harris, including Vice President Kamala Harris. And so I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, not only for us as, as adults, as Christian adults, right? But also for our children, how do we build discernment? How do we learn um, what positions we're supposed to take and then double down on those positions, even when what we assert is unpopular, right? Like, and, and this is sort of like the, um, this, this is the requirement or the, the prerequisite for any type of effective cultural engagement that you've got to be thoroughly convinced about what it is that you've, you've taken a position on and then be immovable, right? But in order to get to that place, first of all, you've got to make sure that you're on the right side, if you will, of that issue. And so how do you derive that conviction or from where do you derive that conviction? I say, we say, um, without any doubt, it's biblical conviction. It's you ask the question, what does the Bible say on this issue? Do we have, do we have, um, any biblical precedent? Do we have, uh, any, um, biblical warning here, any admonition coming from scripture that we apply in any given situation. And I think when we survey the scriptures and then look up and survey the scriptures and then look up, we can see that the word of God is totally sufficient. So, so here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to look at the word discernment and kind of do a breakdown. And then by way of reminding you of what some of the cultural calls have been in um, in our modern culture today, I want you to think about why it would be advantageous in a culture that hates God, why it might be advantageous to them that you don't have discernment. Like, why would we why would it be advantageous to a wicked culture, a culture that has rejected God? Why would it be to their advantage that Christians living in this culture would not have discernment? So I want to look um, at the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter five, um, I'm just going to turn there and I'm going to read it because one of the things I think that we overlook, and, and again, I, I understand it. You guys get tired of the one note that the Addisons have, but the word of God is finally authoritative. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that is our song. That is our note. It's going to always be um, what we sing. So the word of God is authoritative. The word of God is, um, is sufficient for us. It's sufficient for our engagement. And when you ask the question about how do we build discernment? And then also I want to go a step further. Can we 
help build discernment in our children and in our grandchildren. And, and which, by the way, I will just tell you, I think that working on the adult discernment, working on the discernment in the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles, I actually think that's a little bit of somewhat of an easier task than it is to build discernment in our children because of the, the current forces that exist that are railing against those efforts and railing against those efforts at younger and younger ages in the developmental stages of our kids, kids lives. And so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that and probably on the other side of this break here, but going into the break, I want to look at Hebrews chapter five verses 12 through 14 where the Hebrew writer is warning against the falling away from truth and warning against um, the rejection of those things that had once been received, right? Um, Understanding the truth, knowing the truth, being thoroughly trained in the truth. And then what happens when a person has been presented with truth, but then rejects that truth does not, does not continue to walk in that truth. Um, Hebrews chapter five, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So very clearly, right? Like if if you like, just again, face value here, the word is saying that the word builds your discernment. So you are able to discern between good and evil by the reading of God's word. You are able to discern between good and evil. And I thought that this word here that is transliterated, diakonik, Diacrino, diacrino is the the Greek word that is used there for discernment. I thought it was very interesting that it actually means to separate, to make a distinction, to discriminate, (laughs) to prefer. And I thought about how all of those terms in some way are kind of like buzz terms in our culture today. That if you tell someone, no, I'm going to discriminate against that. They're like, discrimination is bad. Or I'm going to prefer this and not that. Well, you can't have a preference. You can't, you can't have preferential treatment. None of those things you can do. When actually discernment is calling for those things. We'll grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Erin the Addison's on American Family Radio. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I take for granted getting all of my cues from Will the Great and being able to um, hear them clearly. And, anyways. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, although there's a little bit of a luxury to say, well, I didn't hear you. All right, <laughs> welcome back. This is Erin the Addison's on American Family Radio. That is, um, I don't know. 
I just don't know. I, re- I, I rely on you to handle that, Will the Great. I'm Miki. So, William McDowell. Withholding with, nothing. Withholding nothing, sounds like. <laughs> yes. Today we're talking, today we are talking about um, building discernment and how, I don't know if I just adversely affected my lighting. I require Jeff to, to tell me about that. Anyways, um, <laughs> we're talking about building discernment and how that becomes important or is important um, living in 21st century America when everything that it seems that we're coming up against uh, calls for you to doubt the truth to doubt those things that you once um, maybe you took for granted that everybody agreed that these things are true, that these things are good and they're right. And everywhere that you look, that you look, you see your, um, your discernment is, um, is being suppressed or your discernment is being called into question. The things that you once could say without the the shadow of any doubt, um, this is good. Now people want you to say, no, that's bad. And then what you once could say, that's bad. People now want you to say, that's good. So what guards us against that? And how do we guard our kids against that? How can we, when we listen to people who are regularly telling lies, how do we, how do we take our stand against that? Well, building discernment is the answer. And the Bible tells us very clearly that discernment is built as we read the word of God, Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 14. Our discernment is built by constant use. We are trained by the word of God. And and in fact, as we're reading the word of God, the word of God is actually also searching us as well, discerning our thoughts and the intents of our heart. The Bible teaches us this in Hebrews as well. Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 through 13. So I was looking at this word for discernment in Hebrews chapter five, and it's transliterated from the Greek diak. Reno, Dioc Reno. And I thought this was so interesting because when you start to, you know, drill down and study the word of God, you come to realize that maybe, maybe some of the attacks that we're facing are not accidental. Maybe these things that we look at in culture are direct attacks on the authority of scripture. They're, they, they, um, operate antithetical to the faith. So they are in direct contrast to what the Lord tells us to do. The Lord tells us to discern or to discriminate or to separate or to make a distinction. And the world tells us, no, everything and everyone, all things all together. The world says, no, do not, don't, don't prefer righteousness over wickedness. Don't say that there is right or that there is wrong. Just everyone has their own sort of sliding scale of morality, or there is no such thing as even your, your responsibility to judge that. In other words, a loose quoting of Matthew seven, judge not right. Rather, rather than understanding that the Bible is prescribing how you should judge that you should make sure that you're not a hypocrite in your judgment. So think about this. If we have our children today um, placed in a situation where they are not able to make a distinction because they are being trained to be quote unquote inclusive, right? They are being trained to quote unquote, not discriminate point blank. Now there's not, there's not um, any kind of qualification given to that, right? Our kids are not given Um, right and wrong assessment. Like, okay, so this is how you rightly judge this situation. Because if you think about it, how would, how would they be given that type of assessment? You'd have to come back to moral absolute. 
You'd have to come back to the scripture. You'd have to come back to the authoritative word of God. You'd have to come back to the fact that God is, that he exists, that he has determined right and wrong, and that what is right, what is morally right, exists because of the nature of God, because of who God is. And so if we have our kids in a context where our kids cannot be trained in this way because um, the knowledge of God is forgotten in our current education system or even in our current cultural context, like even outside of our educational system, God is forgotten. There's no room for God. Then what we have is we have generations of kids whose discernment is not built. Then, then therefore they cannot make right decisions. So I'm thinking about this in the area of things like um, critical race theory, and I'm thinking about this in the area of critical gender theory or critical queer theory, all of, the, all of the critical theories, right? What is the assault, what is the attack that has been levied at our kids? And are they ready to stand? Here recently, and I have this story here in front of me, and I didn't, I didn't get to cover it, but I want to cover it. Last month, um, all across this country, um, there was a national trans identified children celebration day, (laughs) like in our schools all across this country. And, 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 you know, I had this story and I thought, man, I, I, you know, do parents know about this? And then, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought, oh, we talk about this all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And so I thought, do, do we, do we need to talk about this again? But I'm convinced that, man, our ability to discern and even to train our kids to discern is under attack where now, you know, and, and listen, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a context where our kids are asking very simple and straightforward questions, but because we have lost our ability to discern, we, we are robbing them of something that is very basic that the Lord has given them, you know, to be able to look at things, even on like a face value type thing. You know, so you're in a situation where your kid says, is that, is that a man? And, 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 and what do we do? You know, usually we're just trying to like get out of the situation and we're like, Shh, we don't want, you know, don't, you know, but man, you know, what if, what if we, what if we allowed for our kids to ask those questions that are innate, those, those questions that the Lord has given them the basic ability to be able to discern and to know what is right and what is wrong. And then what if we took them to scripture to describe when we see a departure from the truth? What if we took them to scripture to build their discernment? to help them understand what it looks like when a group of people fall away from God and they descend into debauchery and they descend into decadence. What does that mean? Has God already told us what this looks like last month in this country? Okay. So here's the article schools across the United States were urging students to read books about trans identified children as part of an annual campaign, an annual campaign promoted by the human rights campaign to support transgender and non-binary youth. Like, think about it. And guys, I got to tell you, as, as much as you may get tired of hearing this particular conversation, I get tired of talking about it. I get tired of talking about it. I wish that these headlines, and, and by the way, there are many more of these headlines that we don't cover because I feel like a lot. 
We cover it a lot. When we look at the books that they require our kids to read, I see a, a, a blunting, a, a, a suppressing of our kids' discernment, their ability to know what is right and what is wrong. And then you add to that the type of programming that they consume. Where, where because of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender activists, because of their constant push, they have made certain that they get their quote unquote representation in at least one character, sometimes more in your kids' favorite programming. And so what does this, what does this do? It causes them to lose their natural ability that would grow. It would grow as they read the word. It would grow as we train them in the word, but on a very basic level, their ability to discern right from wrong. It's stifled. It's blunted because we allow the culture in some way to have direct access to them. So my question is this, and in fact, and, and, you know, um, Proverbs chapter three, Proverbs chapter three, I'm going to turn to it. Proverbs chapter three, verses 21 through 24. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom or judgment and and discernment or discretion, and they will be life to your soul and adornment for your neck. Well, the great, I know I cannot put you on the spot to comment on this, but there's no good way to say I have to cough. (laughs) So you got to comment. You got to, you've got to interact now about the importance of discernment so that I can cough. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's horrible I should have Jeff do it I should have Jeff comment <laughs> on the importance of discernment in our children this is why the back and forth is so good for me okay here I go well <laughs> it's, it's, it is important that we have <clears throat> excuse me discernment and the enemy don't he don't like that because at the end of the day he wants us to be ignorant he wants us to just go along with what's what's happening. And when we don't have discernment, you know, man, it just shows uh, how off track we are as far as our communion with God. Discernment is a feature of our relationship with God. And so if there's a lack of discernment, then something is wrong with that relationship. And And, and I hope people can get what I'm saying through, you know, all of this. But when there's a lack of discernment on our parts, is a reflection of, you know, we're not locked in to the one who gives discernment. And so when we don't have it, of course, our, our children don't have it. And as a result, they're walking through life, you know, being hit by these different agendas and things that, that's going on. And they have no really no real way to combat that. They don't really know what to look for, what to expect and, and what to what to see as they walk through life. So. I would say discernment is a key factor in our relationship with God. And if we have a lack of discernment, it, it really highlights something that's missing in our um, day-to-day walk with God. Oh, that's so well done. I'm so sorry that I had to put you on the spot no, to that's, do that. That's, I, I mean, but I hope that was understandable. No, it definitely <laughs> was. You know, I've, I had this thought. I was like, here, here are you and I hosting our radio show. <laughs> Where I feel like both of both of us are sort of like at sixty five percent. You 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 well no you probably are like at forty percent. 
<laughs> but I feel like I'm at 65%. My voice Anyways, is, at least. I mean, but your voice, I'm, I'm your fine. voice. Yeah. I do want to say this, though, and, and I, I really hope that every parent and every grandparent can really connect with the point that we're making. We have a responsibility to train our children. We have a responsibility to get the truth to them. And I don't think that that responsibility can be expressed too much. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, man, I'm having a really hard time. And you're having a hard time, so you can't even jump in and help me. Oh, my goodness. This is this well, is a first for it, us, I feel like. No, I, I can jump in. You know, it's just going to sound like this. So, but I think people are ready for it. But what I, what I'm what I want to say is is I know we talk about this a lot, and maybe it's because we have six children, and we see you know all the things that's happening in the culture, and so I think the thing is, we can't stop talking about it. We can't stop hitting on it because, you know, you you have children or you have grandchildren or you or you have family members, that man we need to continue to highlight what's going on with the children, you know. Um, and so I don't, I don't think it's a thing of, you know, um, talking about it too much and really, you know, just kind of digging in because if we look at it, the enemy digs in on those things that, uh, he's doing all the time. We're the only ones that are relaxed and laid back. You know, we look at our adversary, he's not relaxed, not laid back, but he's constantly trying to see, you know, how can he make more and more gains, um, uh, especially as it concerns what we're talking about with our children. And so, like, I don't feel bad at all from, you know, continuing to talk about the, these issues. And, and like you say, you know, maybe people may think that we have, like, just this one note. I don't feel that way. But we try to uh, talk about these things because I think parents and families need to hear this. And it would benefit the body of Christ if we had our families together, you know, under the, the guidance of God. Man, a lot of the problems that we face wouldn't be so pronounced. So, and, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, talking about discernment and how children need discernment and parents need discernment and, and how we need to uh, be hooked into the one who gives discernment is, is, is just that important. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God. The Lagos of God. And I wrote down and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this earlier and thinking about how we build this, not only in ourselves, but also in our children, the word of God, the decrees, the mandates of God, the doctrine of God, the teaching of God, how we build this in our children, training them, right? Training them that this is what determines truth, that this is what searches even us. A little bit more on this, and then we'll open the phone lines, and everybody said amen on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addison, stay close.
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Congratulations to everyone who heard this show live because you will not be getting a podcast for this. Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you do with a show like today, um, except you file it in the category of because human and flawed. And uh, anyways, but yeah, that's the, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I don't know what to do when I have to cough and then Will the Great sounds like Cookie Monster. That's that's I, stop I, saying I, that. Um, but but dear, but <laughs> even 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 you're saying please stop. Say, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. It just sounded like. Uh, anyways, all right. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Boy, look, I, I just want to say I was thinking about this during the break. Our listeners certainly do deserve a better show than this, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. We didn't expect it to be this bad. We thought we were totally um, able to navigate the show, uh, but it seems that we. <clears throat> thought more highly of ourselves than we should. We're talking about building discernment and how do we grow in our discernment. And the bottom line is that we read the word of God. We read the word of God. Whenever we're looking at what's going on in the culture and we look at the pushback that we're experiencing, sometimes we think that these things are accidental. But what I'm the point that I'm trying to make, however disjointedly as, as I am, um, these things are intentional. They are a direct assault on what God expects of us. So the Lord God expects us to make a distinction. He expects us to separate out right from wrong and to discriminate against what is evil and to be for what is good. And yet everywhere we look, our kids are being dulled in this area intentionally. So what I'm trying to stress is that when we train our kids in godliness and in righteousness, then you increase their discernment. You grow or you build their discernment. And I would say the same is true for us. I want to make one other comment and we'll open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. One of the worst things that um, one of one of the worst things that happened to believers um, was that wicked people figured out how to make you laugh at sin. And once, Mm -hmm. once believers started laughing at sin and welcoming it into our living rooms and, and dismissing it, then again, our discernment was suppressed right? Our, our discernment, our growth was stunted. Um, there was a stalling in our ability to, to say, wait a minute. No, if the Bible condemns it, how can I laugh at it? Like if, if the Bible says that those who do these things or even give their approval to those who do these things, um, are the same that, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like, how how can I laugh at this as if this is good entertainment? That's one of the worst things that could have happened to us. And so then what happens is you take things that go from entertainment to real life. And we don't know how, here's the word again, we don't know how to discern because there's already been a watering down. We've already welcomed things into our homes and into our kids' lives that we thought it, oh, it's, it's just this. And so then that's the setup that when the books start to infiltrate our kids' schools and we've got the reading list and you've got the National Trans Day that's happening at school, which builds on the National Day of Silence, which people still sit and let their kids participate in. And they don't know how to say, wait, wait, that's just a bit much. That's just a bit much. Now I'm being forced 
I'm being forced to be an ally, their words, or an activist for unrighteousness. This is a problem. So here's here's the point, and here's what's the burden of my heart. And even as again, there's so many different news headlines, but I think about, you know, how do we as believers get down to the truth? How do we discern? And it's by being trained by the word of God, mm. reading the word of God. And I know that sounds so like, you know, but we basic. Need to do it. We need to do it. We need to do it. Yeah. Guys, we, we need do to do it. it. We need to be reading the word of God. We need to be reading the word of God with our children. And in some cases to our children, our children need to be reading it to us and with us. This is the only way that we can see effective change in their lives. The families are the building blocks, by the yeah, way, yeah. guys. The families are the building blocks. All right, we'll go to the phone lines, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Randy in Louisiana. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, hey, Randy. Well, hello, y'all there? <laughs> yeah, we, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sort of. Okay. Anyhow, I was listening to your program, and it kind of discerns me. I mean, uh, too, you know, uh, the term discernment. Uh, you know, uh, my daughter is trying to teach our kids, her kids, to judge everything, you know, question everything. And if it's right, you know, why is it right? If it's wrong, mm, why is it wrong? That's good. But one of the things that I see in this generation or, or in that mindset is the fact that if you're questioning everything, could it possibly be that you're questioning the authority or or the absolute truth of the Bible? So hmm. we, I don't know how to to, to differentiate uh, discernment and, and, and question and and truth and absolutes. I remember when I was a kid, if my daddy says load the wagon, it wasn't my job <laughs> to assess if he could tote it or not. I just loaded the wagon. Mm. So I see. Okay, I don't know wait. how to say this, but uh, or, or are we getting away from absolutes? I think there's some things there that some faith there that we have to be able to make decisions prior to the decision even coming our way. For example, I know this is wrong, and when I see something is wrong, I don't have to make a decision. I don't have to discern mm. because it's part of who I am. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Decisions already made. Man, Randy, you're touching on so many good points. I, I think that there are many points, actually. Um, and, and, and I don't think that there's just one answer to, to what you're saying here. I, I think that there are several different things. So I, I should have been jotting down some, some, some better notes here um, rather than just writing down your name. So look, Randy, <laughs> you, when you, you started out talking about your daughter who's teaching your grandkids to ask questions. So let me say this. Teaching our kids today to ask questions um, when they, oh man, and I want to say this, in a situation where they're learning is not bad. Now, if you are raising kids that will challenge your authority in everything that you say, then that's a problem. That's, that, is, that is a different presentation. But let me tell you, I, I do not believe that if we train our kids to ask questions that we are also training them to question God's authority. I don't believe that. And I don't believe that those things are mutually exclusive, that either you teach them just, just trust the Lord or you teach them challenge everything. No, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that you have to, and, and this, this is why it requires so much work. You have to mm -hmm. teach them that they can go to the Lord. And here, and let me tell you something. If our kids 
have a question about God's authority, if our kids have a question about the sufficiency of God's word, here is where our trust in the Lord as parents and grandparents comes in. We have the opportunity to show that we can put our full full weight down on the word of God. So in other words, if our kids have a question, well, like that doesn't make sense to me, a kid might say. A kid might say, I don't understand that. You don't have to fumble all over yourself and think, oh, wait a minute, they're going to fall away. God can handle our questions. God can handle our questions. Even I will tell you this, God can handle your kids' doubts. When they read something and they go, I don't, I don't know. God can handle that. This is not a situation where you go, well, I don't want them asking questions. I want, I'll speak for, for us. I want our kids to ask questions in the greenhouse that is our home. Yeah. It is a controlled environment where they are able to ask questions and we can dig it out and search it out and arrive at an answer so that in 10 years, they're not on the Christian post talking about how they de- deconstructed their faith. Do you understand? So I, I don't want them holding on to these questions because they think, oh, it's going to upset mom. And then they go out into the world, quote unquote, and they still have these questions and the questions were never asked. And then they get out into the world and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, hey, you know, I just I checked out from that years ago. I just couldn't see it. Man, I, I want to give you a quick example here. It's a, it's a recent example. Um, we were reading with our kids in the Old Testament, and I don't remember exactly why this question came up. But we referred to David, who do you guys remember when when David sinned against Bathsheba and they conceived a child and the prophet Nathan went to David and said, um, because of what you've done, the child will die. And you guys remember the story. This is in Second Samuel chapter 12, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, David is fasting. He's re- refusing to eat. He's mourning. And then the child dies. You guys remember. And when he hears them talking, he's aware that the child has died. And, and then he gets up and kind of like pulls himself together. And then he's ready to eat again. And they're, and they're like, wait, but all before you were just beside yourself. Like, how, how is it? And David's like, well, it's done. And he says, he will not return to me, but I will go to him. So as we were talking to our kids in the course of this conversation, I don't know why, but we alluded to that. He will, the child will not return to me, but I will go to him. And our oldest child, uh, who is 15, is Mariah. And she said, she said, why do we take that as a promise that babies who die go to God? She goes, why do we take that as a promise? Like she goes, why isn't that just David's comfort of himself? Like, why isn't he just like, you know, this is something that a grieving father is saying. Now, this is a great question, right? Like, and I know some people, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Like, you know, but this is a great question. And why is this question not a problem? This question is a great question and it's not a problem because it shows that she is processing the information that she's reading. And it also shows that she understands as how we see the authoritative word of God. So as we're, we're having this conversation, she goes, she goes, you know, I, sometimes I hear people say, Oh, this person's in a better place. And she goes, what makes their assertion that a person is in a better place different from David's assertion that he's going to go to this child again. And so we're sitting there and the first thoughts that come to our mind is, well, first of all, it's the word of God and everything that's written in the scripture is written for our learning that through the patience of the scriptures, we might have hope. And she's, she's going, "Mm, I don't know, but I just, I just, how do we know that that is what we are to apply? 
And so in that moment, and I want this to be a comfort to you parents. So in that moment, we're sitting there and I go, Mariah, that is a wonderful question. And I go, my first response is what I just said to you. I said, but I think there's more. I think there's more. Let us pray about this and let us drill down that you might have confidence in the scriptures as we have confidence in the scriptures. So this is on a Thursday. So that night we go to bed, man, you know, I'm praying about this and I'm like, Lord, you know, help me to respond to her question. So the next morning, early in the morning, I'm digging, I'm cross-referencing scripture. I'm like, I'm Lord, help me to respond to her question. Why do we take David's words as a confirmation that these babies that die, that they go to God. Like, how do we, how do we? And so I'm doing some digging. I'm doing some cross-referencing. And I come across Absalom, David's son. You remember the one who rebelled against him? Who dies in that rebellion? Do you remember what happened when the commander Joab and, and the, the team that was chasing him, when they get back to David? Remember David's questions about, and what about the boy? And what about the boy? And, and the first person who gets back is not allowed to say that the son has been killed. But then the second person gets back to David and says, oh, Absalom, may he be like um, my Lord's, all of my Lord's enemies. In other words, Absalom is dead. What does David do? David says, oh, my son, my son, my son. David says, oh, that it would have been me. Do you guys remember this in scripture? He says, oh, that it would have been me, my son, my son. So bad is David's grief over Absalom's passing that Joab says to him, you better get yourself together because all of these people believe that you prefer your wicked son over them, that you wish that they had perished for your wicked son. You better pull it together or you're going to stand this night by yourself. No one will come to your aid. That's what Joab says to him in a nutshell, right? So I take this scripture the next morning. And I bring it back to Mariah and we're sitting around and we're talking and, and I say, I want to submit this to you and I want to ask you a question. What is the difference between David's response when this innocent child dies versus his wicked son? Does the Bible give us any indication that David says about Absalom? Oh, it's okay. I'm going to see him again. Why does David wish that he had died in place of Absalom? Do we know? That as we progress from David's loss of this innocent son to this exchange, this, this situation with Absalom, do we know? Do we have any evidence to point to David knowing where he's going to go when he dies? So why would he wish that he would die instead of Absalom? Could it be, could it be that David understood full well that his wicked son, having made his choice, being fully accountable for all of his actions, that he was judged by God? And that the outcome of his wickedness was being separated from God. Do you know that we won our daughter with that? She goes, oh, wow. Yes, this is not just a grieving father comforting himself. I can see this. And so do you know what you do? You endear your children to the scriptures. You show them that God is teaching us through his word. You build their discernment. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.